calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. You are listening to episode 24 of Double Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the Solar Clipper, written and read by Nathan Lowell. Chapter 47, Diurnia System, 2358, November 7th. About 9.45, Mel, followed by Arletta and Freddie, came up onto the bridge. I gave Charlotte a nod, and she discreetly excused herself, while the rest of us gathered in the bridge wing. Mel looked at me with an expression that was more curiosity than concerned. "'Well, you've probably heard we have a little problem,' she started. "'He's locked in the autodoc,' I said. Freddy's grin was almost indecent. "'Yes, and if I'm reading the diagnostic protocols correctly, he's going to be in there for a while until the quick-knit deals with the ribs.' At least overnight, and then probably confined to bed rest until we get to Diurnia, Mel said. She looked at me again with that curious but I'm not going to ask yet expression. I shrugged. Okay, so what do we do? Mel made a sour face. On a normal ship, the captain would take the watch, she said. He's coming out of the cabin, I asked in surprise. She shook her head. I said, in a normal ship. I reported to the captain right after breakfast to let him know the situation. That's why we're here. I looked from face to face to face. Arletta and I are going watch on watch. Watch on watch was basically a two-section rotation of 12 on, 12 off around the clock. Freddy said, I'm going to take over first section. I looked at Freddy. So is this something you've always wanted to do? Stand long deck watches with potentially violent crewmen? I asked her. She smiled. Oh, Steve Mallory isn't that bad, and he's the best ship handler we have. And without Mosler and Burnside to back him up, I think we can count on opponents to toe the line, she said. Where's Mosler? I asked, not following the whole transaction yet. Mosler and Oponies are confined to quarters except for meals and watch. That means Oponies stays in deck berthing forward, and Mosler in engineering berthing aft. Never the twain shall meet except on the mess deck, and that rarely, Mel said. When did that happen? I asked. We're about to let them know. They're being held on suspicion of assaulting an officer, Mel said. Assaulting an officer? I asked. Arletta was in on it. I could tell because she was grinning, but I still hadn't caught up to the joke. There's no proof they assaulted me, I said. Who said anything about you? Freddy asked. Poor David is the one in the auto dock. And all Mr. Opponis can tell us is he tripped? I'm sorry, that sounds very fishy to me. Arletta's face took on an innocently agreeable look. Me too. 
He and Mosler even have the marks and bruises to show that they were in some kind of scrap. Too darn coincidental, if you ask me. Mel shrugged. And there we have it. She looked at me. Are we clear? Until poor David gets out of the auto dock and starts raising a stink, I pointed out. You leave poor David to me, Mel said. He can't admit what really happened because then he'd be in the soup. If he lets his stooges hang fire for a while, we'll drop the charges when we get to port in a few days. I thought about it and realized that Mel had the right of it. She was the senior officer present by virtue of being chief of engineering. She also had standards of experience, which only helped her credibility. Until and unless the captain countermanded her orders, so long as the first mate was disabled, she held operational command. They'd drilled it into us in the academy, and the sense of it was indisputable. Okay, I said. We're clear. Welcome to the deck watch, Freddy, I told her with a smile. Thank you, Ishmael. I think it will be quite fun for a few days, she said, and if I'm going to relieve you at midnight, I need to take care of a few things. She smiled all around and added, If you'll excuse me? We all shrugged or nodded or both, and she picked her way delicately back off the bridge with a smile for Juliet along the way. Mel turned to Arletta. You've got the watch at noon, right? She asked pointedly. Oh, yes, I do, she said, taking the hint and following Freddy off the bridge. Mel's curiosity boiled over. So what in the name of heaven happened last night? I felt like I should call Charlotte up to give the recap, but I gave Mel the highlights, finishing with, and that crash you heard was Burnside being driven into the bulkhead by Aponis and Mosler. No wonder he broke ribs. He's lucky to be alive, she said. She frowned a little, looking at me, and you didn't get a scratch. Well, I got a bruise on my hip when I rolled off the bunk, I said, pointing. Her face took on an odd look for a moment. No, don't show me, she said, with a short shake of her head. They really did assault an officer. They hit him, drove him into the bulkhead, and broke his ribs, she said. That's just icing on the cake. How did you think he got beaten up? I asked curiously. She grimaced a little. Well, she said, dragging it out. We knew he was after you. I laughed in surprise. You flatter me. There's no way I could hit him hard enough to break a rib, I told her. With friends like he has, she said. You won't need to, but watch your step, okay? Yeah, I will. Thanks, Mel. I paused. Oh, is there anything like a deadbolt or a doorstop I can use so I can sleep without worrying that he's going to turn the Bumble Brothers loose on me again? I need something to make sure the head door stays closed. You think they'd enter through our letters room and then through the head? They did before with Jaffe. She looked at me for about three heartbeats before she said, Yeah, let me look into my bag of tricks and I'll get back to you. Thanks, I told her, for everything. She just winked and headed for the ladder. Juliet and I settled down and Charlotte came up to the bridge around 10.30 with fresh coffee. Big doings, I asked as she came up the ladder. Nothing you don't already know, Sar, she said. Opponents and Mosler are taking it pretty well. Without a patron, they're feeling the breeze they're swinging in, Juliet said. They'll bide their time until he's out of the auto dock and can clear them. What's the feeling on Ms. DeGroote taking over first section? Charlotte lifted one shoulder in a half shrug. Most people think it should be the captain, but almost nobody expects he'll come out of his cabin until we set navigation stations. What's he doing in there? I asked. We're not sure, Sar, Charlotte admitted. Nobody ever goes in or out, hardly. I thought about Simon and Bayless, and wondered why the rumor mill didn't know about them. Why, do you know something, Sar? Charlotte asked sharply, watching my face carefully. I have no idea what he does in there. For all I know, he's writing poetry. Juliet glanced at me out of the corner of her eye, but Charlotte nodded and sipped her coffee. 
Our letter relieved me on time at 11.45. She just shrugged. I have no idea how anybody else has taken it. David's still in the auto dock. The Bumble brothers are keeping their heads down. She followed it with a little shrug. With Mel calling the shots, nobody's saying boo. Well, in that case, I said, the ship is on course and on target. No incidents or actions. Standing orders are unchanged. You may relieve the watch, Miss Novea. I have the watch, Mr. Wong. Logged to 2358, November 7th at 11.45 in accordance with standing orders, she said with a grin. I headed for my stateroom and a quick clean-up before I went to the wardroom for lunch. Freddie and Mel were there, and Miss Kramer brought the food right in. She smiled shyly at me, and I thought she looked a little more rested, a little less stressed than she had in a while. I wondered if Opponas or Mosler had been harassing her. Any news on David, I asked, when Karen had gone. Mel shrugged. I looked in at the auto dock just before I came down. It's showing that he'll be getting out in the morning. I suspect he'll be as weak as a kitten after this, so he's going to be moving very slowly. What's to prevent him from just getting out of the auto dock and start making demands, I asked. He can't, Freddie said. Well, no, he can, but he has no standing until the auto dock clears him for duty. He'll have to report back to it until it says he can go to work, and even then, maybe longer. I shrugged and finished my lunch. He's not going to be very happy, is he? I said. Mel snickered, and Freddie actually laughed. It was just the three of us. Lunch went pretty quickly. I needed a nap before I had to go back up onto the bridge at six, so I excused myself and went to my stateroom. On the inside of the door, I found that somebody had installed deadbolt locks on the inside of both my cabin and the door to the head. I threw the bolts on both doors, stripped to my skivvies, and crawled into bed. It felt glorious, and even though I knew it was only for a little while, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Chapter 48, Diurnia System, 2358. November 7th. Any reservations I may have had about Frederica de Groot taking over first section were dispelled on that very first midwatch. Around 23.30, her slight, almost bird-like, frail frame stepped delicately onto the bridge. She had her usual shy smile, but there was more to it. I couldn't put my finger on what it was, but something like a sense of, this is going to be fun, just radiated from her. "'Hello, Juliet. How are you tonight?' she asked on the way past the helm, pausing to listen. "'I'm fine, Mr. Groot. Ready for a little sleep,' Juliet answered. "'How about you? Are you ready for the midwatch?' "'Oh, yes,' Freddy replied with a gentle enthusiasm. "'I think this is going to be ever so much more fun than riding herd on a tin can.' At that moment, I knew I was watching a pro. Freddy continued to cross the bridge and came over to the watch station. "'Good evening, Ishmael,' she said with a smile. Hi, Freddy. You seem pretty enthusiastic, I commented inanely. She gave a little half-shrug. Well, one does what one must in order to chip in, she murmured. After a moment, she added softly, But yes, I'm looking forward to doing more than sitting around watching the ship go to hell. She looked me in the eye when she said it, and I knew right then why Frederica de Groot was number eight on the Alice Chagone hit parade. It made me wonder why I was on it at all. I wonder, would you ask the delightful Miss Dang to join us so we can relieve the watch on the bridge? She asked me. Of course, I said, and bipped Charlotte's tablet. That's a great idea, I added, while mentally kicking myself for not thinking of it on my own. She smiled and sipped her coffee, her eyes roaming the bridge. She nodded to the locker door at the back. Broom closet? She asked. Yes, and there's a full maintenance cupboard just at the foot of the ladder below, I said. Excellent, she chirped. 
Now, I've been going over the standing orders for deck watch standers, and this console looks standard. Is there anything I need to be on the lookout for? Things that are common knowledge but not in the book? She asked. Well, we generally give the bridge a good cleaning on mid, I said, but we've also been in the habit of giving it a quick swipe at the beginning of each watch. She nodded. Might make more sense to do it at the end of each watch, she suggested. Leave it nice for the next section. Very true, but there was a problem. I shrugged. Ah, she said, catching on immediately. Somebody wasn't pulling his weight. Just so, I admitted. Well, that factor has been removed from the equation for the moment, she observed. We'll have to see what we can do, eh? Charlotte came up the ladder then, with Mallory and opponents close behind. Hail, hail, the gang's all here, Freddie said brightly. She set her coffee cup on the console with a glance at me. One moment, Mr. Huang. I had no idea what she was about, so I just said, of course, Mr. Groot. Opponents and Mallory had stopped at the top of the ladder. I knew they couldn't have been surprised by Freddy's presence, but with both watch sections on the bridge, everything seemed a little out of kilter. Freddy crossed to where they were standing and said, First section, attention. She didn't bark it in the approved drill instructor manner. It was more like a dog owner bringing a pair of puppies to heel. Mallory came to immediate attention, and even opponents seemed surprised by his own compliance. Freddy looked Mallory up and down, walking behind him as if appraising a particularly interesting horse. When she got back to the front, she reached out one fine-boned hand and zipped a half-open pocket on the side of his suit. Nodding to him with a smile, she moved to Opponus. She frowned and tisked, walking around him the same way she had Mallory. As you were, she told him, and crossed back to the watch station. Well, Mr. Wong, I'm ready if you are, she said. The ship is on course non-target. No incidents or actions. Standing orders are unchanged. You may relieve the watch, Ms. DeGroote, I said, smartly standing beside the station. First section has the watch, Mr. Wong. Logged 2358, September 2, at 2345, in accordance with long practice and standing orders, she said with a gleeful grin. Mallory took Juliet's place at the helm, and opponents started to turn and head down the ladder. A moment, Mr. Opponents, if you please, Freddy called. Opponents froze at the top of the ladder like some cartoon character caught in mid-sneak. Freddy arched one eyebrow in my direction as if to ask me, Why are you still on my bridge? I grinned and headed for the ladder, third watch in a file behind me. At the bottom of the ladder we all stood there, looking at each other in amazement for a heartbeat, before the two women headed on down the passageway. I stood at the foot of the ladder, reviewing the previous few ticks in my mind with equal parts, awe and amusement, before heading down the passage toward my stateroom. Behind me I heard Freddy bark, Now, Mr. Opponus. I looked over my shoulder to see Opponus belting down the bridge ladder and heading for berthing at a near trot. He spared one glowering look in my direction, a look marred by the black eye, but he didn't linger. Suppressing a chuckle, at least until he was out of earshot, I continued on to my stateroom. Inside I threw the bolt, more to get into the habit than anything. With Burnside locked in the auto dock and opponents on a short leash, there didn't seem to be much threat on the ship. I went into the head to do the needful and wash the day's grime off my face. It had been a long day, but I wasn't quite ready for sleep. The beginning of a 24 always seemed to have such potential, but I always started it exhausted. I heard a quiet tap on Arletta's door and a mumbled, You decent? You should be sleeping, I said through the door, but yeah, what's up? I heard a bolt slide on her side of the door and the latch released. She blinked into the bright light of the head as she opened it a crack. She was sitting on the side of her bunk in her ship tee and boxers, looking tousled and thoroughly wonderful. 
I stuck my head back into the sink and splashed more cold water on my face. How's she doing, Arletta asked. Great, I said, running a towel over my head. I'm taking notes. Really? She asked with a grin. About what? Well, she started by having me call Charlotte up to the bridge so we could relieve the watch altogether. Yeah, she said with a little yawn. We talked about that at dinner. Then she had them stand at attention and inspected them before she'd relieve the watch. Arletta blinked and chuckled. And how did that go over? Mallory had no problems, but I think she sent opponents down to change after the watch was relieved. He'll be standing his watch on the bridge, Arletta said. Freddie likes that idea a lot. Oh, she also suggested that we should do our quick cleanup at the end of the watch to leave it clean for the incoming one. What an idea, she said with mock sarcasm. I thought so. She asked where all the cleaning gear was before I left. She's going to get first watch to do their share, it seems. Nice, she nodded sleepily. I took the hint and backed out to my stateroom. Oh, did I hear you throw back a bolt to open the door? She grinned and took advantage of my leaving the space to step into it herself. Yeah, I saw Raymond doing the install on yours and asked if I could have a set too. Seems like overkill now. We're not out of the woods, but I know what you mean, I told her. I gave a little wave as I closed my side of the door. Good night. See you at lunch tomorrow. Stripping out of my ship suit, I crawled into my bunk. I wasn't really tired, but there really wasn't anything I wanted to do at. I glanced at the chrono on the bulkhead. Oh, fifteen in the morning. I snuggled myself down into the bunk cuddling under the blanket and trying not to think of a warm and sleepy-looking Arletta Novea in ship tea and boxers. I woke up in time to grab a quick shower before breakfast, and when I got to the wardroom, I found Mel and Miss Kramer having a conversation that ended as I came through the door. Coffee, sir, Miss Kramer asked me and poured a cup for me before placing the pot on the table. It'll be just you two and Miss DeGroote for breakfast then, she asked. Mel shrugged. I assume Mr. Groot will join us? Yes. Mr. Burnside is a bit tied up still. Miss Kramer grinned a bit at that. Yes, sir, I'm aware. She gave a little nod, not quite a bow, and headed back through the pantry door. I'll be back in a few ticks with your breakfast, sirs, she called over her shoulder. I took my seat as Mel took hers, and we sipped coffee. She seems chipper this morning, I noted. Yes, Mel said, she does. I raised a mental eyebrow at that and wondered what was going on, but I didn't ask. How did Freddie do last night? Mel asked. Freddie did quite well, thank you, and she's here, so you can ask her yourself, Freddie said with a grin as she swept through the door. I reached to pour her coffee for her, and she smiled her thank you across the table at me. Mel grinned at her. Well, you certainly look proud of yourself this morning. Why, thank you, I am, she replied, taking a sip of her own coffee and sighing in delight. The bridge has been thoroughly cleaned. Mr. Opponus will be reporting to duty in a clean ship suit, and Mr. Mallory is really a very nice fellow, even with Mr. Opponus scowling at me across the bridge all night, she said. What did you have him doing? Mel asked. Just sitting there? Oh, no, Freddie said. We cleaned the bridge. It was quite therapeutic, she added. Miss Kramer brought our breakfasts in with a bright smile and a flourish, set each one of us up with a lovely omelet and a side of bacon and some toast. She flitted in, did her job, and flitted out, almost before we could say thank you, Ms. Kramer. Freddie raised her eyebrows in surprise, and looking at Mel, asked, She's not usually so lively in the morning, is she? Mel shook her head. Not as a rule, she said. Is there cause for this lively good humor this morning? Freddie asked, by way of making conversation as she buttered her toast. Mel smirked. Yes, actually there is. Freddie glanced at me before looking back at Mel. And you're not going to say what it is, are you? Mel grinned and shook her head. It's not for me to say, she said. Let's just say it's been a rough voyage for Ms. Kramer up to now. 
Personally, I thought it had been a rough voyage for just about everybody, but I didn't say anything. Thanks for listening to Double Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the Solar Clipper. The music is a medley of jigs, eavesdroppers, both meat and drink, and Off We Go by Great Big C from their self-titled debut album. Find this and other songs by Great Big C at music.podshow.com. This has been a presentation from Dorenda's, offered under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 U.S. License. For website and more information on the Golden Age, visit www.solarclipper.com. Music